Hi friends, welcome to the FBC Zealand Teaching Podcast. We're a local church in Zealand, Michigan, and we desire to know Christ and to make Him known. We invite you into this same journey with us now as we open the scriptures and as we ask God to teach us and to reveal Himself to us in His Word. Thanks for stopping by. Good morning. What a great prayer for us to pray. I will exalt you. You are my God. I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to be continuing our study for the next couple weeks during the month of May in the Disciples' Prayer. And last week you talked about what it means to pray our Father, our Abba, our Papa. And one of the things about that prayer that Jesus teaches his disciples in, in the Luke version, the disciples come to Jesus after watching him pray, and they say, Lord, would you teach us to pray? In the Matthew version, they're up on a mountainside, and this is part of the prayer that Jesus teaches us. And, and he reminds them, whenever you pray, don't be like hypocrites, because they love to pray, standing in the synagogues on the street corners to be seen by people. I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees what is secret will reward you. Then he goes on to say, and and don't babble. Don't keep on talking needlessly, because God knows exactly what you need before you ask him. We come to a Father this morning who knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. Isn't that amazing? It's absolutely incredible that even right now, right here, seated where you are, God knows exactly what you need, and he longs to meet that need. So we're going to talk about um, the second part of the disciples' prayer this morning. The first part, our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. But before we do that, I want to invite you to stand with me. If you were to come to our house for a meal, it is quite often or quite, quite likely that you would say this with us. This is the Shema, part of, um, part of Jewish prayer, part of Jewish liturgy with regard to prayer is the, is the reciting of the Shema, the, the cornerstone of all faith. This is what Jesus quotes in Matthew 22. You'll find it in Deuteronomy 6 and Leviticus 19. But we say this not because it's a prayer, but we say this to remind ourselves why we're here and why we are gathered. So if you would like to say this as a proclamation of your faith, I invite you to say this with me. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Amen. Matthew chapter 6. Therefore you should pray like this, our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Pray with me, please. Our Father and our King, teach us what it means, again, to trust that you are a good Father who delights in us, your children. God, remind us again of what it means that you know even what we need before we ask you today. And God, help us to understand with greater fullness what it means to seek first your kingdom and your will in our lives. We pray in the name of Jesus, amen. 
Still remain standing for just a moment. I wanna, I wanna pray another prayer, and this prayer goes back 2,000 plus years. This is, this is a prayer that would be prayed in the morning by observant Jews, and Jesus likely would have prayed this prayer. Here's how it goes. It goes, with great love did thou love us, O Lord our God. With great and abundant compassion did thou have mercy on us. Our Father, our King, for the sake of our forefathers who trusted in thee, and to whom thou did teach the laws of life, gracious to us and teach us too. Our Father, merciful Father, ever compassionate one, be merciful to us and enable our hearts to understand and gain sense, to hear, to learn, and to teach, to keep, to do, and to fulfill with love all the words of instruction of your teaching, your Torah. Amen. You may be seated. I love being reminded of ancient prayers like that because it helps me know how people throughout the ages have engaged meaningfully with God in prayer. And I, and I love it because it recognizes that God is a father and that he's merciful and that he's compassionate. And yet it also has on the other side a statement that says, help me to understand so that I might do and I might live out your teaching. I want to ask you a question as we begin studying this morning, uh, and, and the study for this morning is your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And the question is this, what consumes your life? What consumes your life? What keeps you up at night? What, what wakes you up in the morning? What drives you throughout your day? What consumes your life? There's a story of a rabbi. His name is Rabbi Shimon ben Shetach. That's a fun one to say. Um, and he was a great scholar who lived in Jerusalem many years ago. Now, the rabbi was a God-fearing man, and he spent all of his time in the study of the Torah. The rabbi had many disciples and students, but he never accepted any fees from them. Instead, he, he earned his meager living by making ink. Early in the morning, the rabbi would go out to the woods and he would gather a sack full of chestnuts and carry it home on his shoulders. Out of these nuts, he would make ink and he would sell it. Now, the rabbi was very poor, but he had no regrets except for one, that too much time was wasted on carrying the loads of nuts on his bare shoulders. How he wished he could spend this time in the company of his students and teach them more and more of the divine wisdom of the scripture. Finally, he decided to buy a mule. He sold all the parts of his home, and he bought a mule. And when he brought the mule home from the market, his students, his disciples, went out to see it. They stroked it, they petted it, they admired it, and then they suddenly discovered a precious stone hanging down from its neck. A precious stone. And it was hidden in a little bag. The students rushed into the house, God's name be praised, they exclaimed. Rabbi, God has rewarded your piety. You are now a wealthy man. You have no need or want for anything. You can spend all of your time teaching the Torah to, the, to your disciples. You don't have to go gather chestnuts in order to come in and make ink and sell that. They showed him this precious diamond, which they had discovered on the mule, thinking this would bring great joy to the rabbi. But the rabbi did not share their excitement. God forbid that I take this diamond, he said. I only bought a mule from that Ishmaelite. 
and this diamond does not belong to me. He clearly hadn't heard the modern axiom of finders, keepers, losers, weepers. This diamond does not belong to me. Rabbi Shimon ben Shetach ran to the market in search of the man who had sold him the mule. He found the Ishmaelite, and he returned to him the precious stone. The Ishmaelite was amazed at such unheard-of honesty. And here's what the Ishmaelite said as the story goes. He said, Blessed be the God of Rabbi Shimon ben Shetach. He exclaimed, and he never became tired of repeating it over and over and over again. Why do I tell you this story? There are a lot of things that can consume our life. But Jesus calls us to let one thing consume our life. And that's to know him. And as we know him, to sanctify his name. The disciples' prayer says, hallowed be your name. Maybe in your translation. Maybe in yours, it's may your name be sanctified. He calls us to sanctify his name. How does he call us to do that? He calls us to do that by seeking his kingdom and his will here on this earth. At the heart of the disciples' prayer, this amazing phrase is there. One, one scholar actually calls it the pinnacle of the disciples' prayer because when we come to the point of praying, God, your kingdom come, your will be done, our lives have turned a corner where we are no longer looking at the things of our own life. We're looking at what pleases God, what honors God, what sanctifies God's name, what furthers his kingdom. Now, we'll talk a little bit about the kingdom, and then we're going to talk a little bit about God's will. And, and both, both of those are kind of the remainder of our time this morning as we get ready for communion. Your kingdom come. I, I want to make some summative statements about the kingdom. We could spend a couple weeks talking about the kingdom uh, in all the different ways that Scripture talks about it, especially in the Gospels. But, but here's a truth you need, to, you need to know. Jesus' ministry centered upon proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. In fact, that's why he said he had come. And it's something that Jewish people were looking for. They're, they're wondering, even the disciples ask him, Lord, when are you going to restore the kingdom? Now, Jesus' view of the kingdom and the disciples' view of the kingdom were a little off at various times in his ministry, but Jesus' ministry was about bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. Second, this kingdom proclamation is something that is eternal in scope, but it also has a present reality and a future hope. In other words, some look at the kingdom as being something that's just far off. Some look at the kingdom as being something that once was, like with the kingdom of Israel. Some people look at the kingdom as here. It's eternal in scope. The first time when God is pronounced king, in, in the words of the scripture, is in Exodus chapter 15. Um, God has just led his people out of Egypt by a strong right hand and by, hand and by a mighty arm, and all of the Egyptian army is kind of covered in water, uh, it perishes in the sea, and on the other side of the sea, after this great victory, the Israelites exclaim, Adonai yim lok le'olam ve'ed, which in English is, the Lord reigns. The Lord reigns, kingship language, forever and ever. All right? There's, there's a past kingdom, but when Jesus comes, he says the kingdom of God is right here in your midst. Why would he say that? He says that because he is the king and he is right there. 
And he's inaugurating, in a different sense, the kingdom that is happening right then and there. And so there's an eternal scope, there's a present reality, and there's also a future hope. You can go to Daniel chapter 4 if you want, Luke 11, Luke 19 if you want to study that some more. The context of his statement about kingdom and God's will in the disciples' prayer is this, is that we should pray for God's rule, his will, his power, and his authority to become more and more established here on earth. Now, don't misunderstand me. There is coming a millennial kingdom. There is. We have that hope to look forward to. But the thrust of the disciples' prayer is not just thinking about what is to come. It's thinking about the here and the now. Faith for the Jew is something that is incredibly practical. It's, it's why the writer says, you show me your faith and I'll show you my faith by what I do. Let's, let's look at this a little bit more. But understand in your scripture, when you read kingdom of heaven or you, you read kingdom of God, those two are the same things. Heaven is often in, in the Bible a euphemism for God. Like in, in the story of the prodigal son, father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. Did he sin against heaven? No, he sinned against God. All right? I've sinned against heaven and against you. Kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God, same thing. The kingdom of God refers to anywhere God rules and God reigns as king. And friends, here's an incredible truth. Today, by the working of the Holy Spirit in your life, and because of what Jesus has done, God can rule and he can reign in your heart. He can rule and he can reign in your heart here today such that when you leave here, someone could look at you and say, blessed be the God of, insert your name, because they've seen you sanctify God's name and how you have lived. All right, this idea is consistent with the patterns and the content of Jewish prayer at the time of Jesus. And I want to read for you this prayer, um, this ancient Jewish prayer, it's called the Kaddish, and it's a prayer that is used during the times of mourning magnified and sanctified be his great name in the world which he created according to his will and may he establish his kingdom during your life and during your days and during the life of all the house of israel speedily and in the near future and say amen and then the people would respond and they would say may his great name be blessed forever and ever Older parts of Jewish prayer recognize that there is a kingdom, and that kingdom can be established more and more right here, right now, as we live under the kingship of the Messiah. Now, the other thing that is going on here in the text in Matthew is something that's called parallelism. Parallelism is a literary technique, and you find this a lot in the Psalms. For example, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Yeah, so what is it? A lamp unto my feet or a light unto my path? No, it, it's the same way of saying, it's a different way of saying the same thing. It's a lamp to my feet, it's a light to my path. It's just a different way of saying the same truth. Parallelism. And that is in part what Jesus is using here in teaching his disciples to pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, to bring part of the kingdom here, to live out of the kingdom, is to do God's will. It's to have a heart that is saying, God, I want all of what I do to be about seeking your will. As it is done in the heavens, may it be done here on the earth. 
it's caring about what God cares about. It's desiring for that to occur and to happen to our lives. It recognizes that today, life here on earth matters to God. It can be tempting to long for heaven with so much passion sometimes that our thoughts can become consumed about what is to come. But the prayer of Jesus cares about here and now. Consider these words from the, the Apostle Peter in 1 Peter chapter 3. He says, Now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy. In other words, sanctify his name. Hallow his name. Always being prepared, Peter says, to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. And Peter says this, for it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. In other words, when you look at your life and what consumes your life, do you desire to do what God has called you to do and that which sanctifies his name, or do you desire to do other things? Doing God's will. Just by a show of hands, how many have you ever asked God the question, God, what is your will? I'm going to raise two because I've asked God that question a lot of times in my life. A lot of times in my life, I've said, God, what is your will here? When, years ago, my wife and I were, were um, faced with a, a big decision. We said, God, would you please make it very, very clear to us what your will is? Because we were very indecisive people, and, and we had a hard time making a decision. We often struggle to understand the will of God. Sometimes we don't maybe understand the ways of God, but we still ask God, what is your will here? And one of the things that has been helpful for me in understanding God's will is realizing that when we talk about God's will, the scripture often presumes that its readers already understand the majority of God's will. All right? Consider these passages as a sampling. Matthew 12 says, For whoever does the will, to do the will means that you know the will, of my Father in heaven is my brother and my sister and my mother. Next one. Romans 12 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God. The will of God can be known, friends. What is good, acceptable, and perfect. And there's something here that as we grow in grace and as we allow the Holy Spirit to work in our lives, that God transforms our minds such that we might understand his will. Ephesians 1 says this, We have redemption in him through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. Next slide. He has made known to us the mystery of his will. So there's a good chunk of his will he's made known to us. Even when it was a mystery, he has made it known to us. According to his good pleasure that he planned in him for the administration of the days of fulfillment to bring everything together in the Messiah, both things on heaven and things on earth in him. 
That's Ephesians. 1 Thessalonians is another verse, and there's many of these. This is only, this is only a sampling of verses that have this word. I think it's the word thalema, which means will. Uh, 1 Thessalonians says, rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in everything. Why? For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Rejoice always. I don't know about you, this one doesn't always describe my life. <laughs> It is something, though, that God calls us to do, to rejoice, to rejoice in Him. We don't rejoice necessarily in circumstances that are difficult. We rejoice that God is with us in the middle of them. We, we don't rejoice when things are going good because we have done something that is all of a sudden incredibly special. We rejoice because God has given us everything we need in Christ. Rejoice always. I love it. 1 Thessalonians 5, just verse 16 two words, rejoice always. One verse, two words, rejoice always. If you haven't memorized a verse of scripture, that'd be a great one to start with. It's really easy to, to jump into. But then pray constantly. Yours might say pray without ceasing. Why? Because God wills for you to pray. God wills for you to go to the Father and say, Father, there is absolutely nothing I have in myself. I'm wholly dependent upon you, and yet, God, I trust that you are good because that is who you have revealed yourself to be. So you pray constantly. You constantly give thanks to the Father, and you give praise to the Father for what is going on, giving thanks in everything because this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. All right? Here's another one. Psalm 40, verse 8, and, and I love this. God's will is generally not hidden from us because his word is the revelation of his will. The psalmist writes, I delight to do your will, my God. Your instruction lives within me. For the psalmist, understanding God's will largely comes down to letting God's instruction or God's teaching the word there is Torah. Letting God's instruction, teaching Torah live within him. Because he knows, or she knows, whomever the, uh, the, the author, uh, psalmist of that is, he, they know that as God's teaching dwells within them, they learn to love God in a way that God has called them to love him. Many times in our lives, we want to know God's will. Sometimes we ask the question in the realm of, of the following uh, situations. Where will I go to school? Where will I work? Whom shall I marry? Should we move here? Should we do that? Should, should we buy this car or buy that car? And friends, what I love is we can pray about those things. We can pray about those things. But the thing that should most consume our hearts and our minds is, God, how do I further your kingdom with this? Sometimes we ask those things, and, and we ask them not having an understanding of what God has already taught us. And there's great principles, and there's great truths from which to live out of here. Things having to do with generosity, things having to do with refraining from being associated with evil practices, things having to do with how you structure your life in such a way that you might sanctify God's name. If you want to delight to do God's will, you have to know, and I have to know his word. What should consume our focus, the majority of our focus and attention, is doing what God has already taught us. His will must become our delight, and the only way to know this will is to steep ourselves in the text and ask God for the wisdom and the grace to live them out.
One of my seminary profs once said that the best way to understand the will of God in your life is to have a passion to know God personally. We often settle for wanting to know what to do, which is important as we have studied. But what we do comes out of our relationship with God. When we pray our Father, we're reminded that not only is he our Father, we are his child, which gives us great comfort in knowing that close relationship. That, that relationship is so strong. When, when Jesus says, pray this, our Father, it's the word pater. And, it, and it's a word you could translate it Abba, you could translate it Papa. It's a word that has intimacy involved in it, but it's also a word that has respect involved in it. But he says to pray our Father because there's, there's a sense in which the corporate body gathering together, seeking God's face, reminding each other that he is our Father. We can speak to one another and build up one another and encourage one another in ways that, is much, that are much more difficult to do when we're just by ourselves. Both are, certainly you can pray, my Father, but Jesus teaches us to pray, our Father. You can go to God as an individual, but we can go to God as a people. But when we go to God, the way it is in the original language is it's in a, it's in a, it's in a tense called the vocative. And all that means is this, is it means you can directly address God. You can directly go to God. You don't have to go through a high priest. You go directly to God. And you go directly to God because of the work of Jesus. And so Jesus says, he says, if you love me, if you love me, which under, which uh, what's the word I want? If you love me, which means you have a relationship with him, he says, you will obey my teaching. You'll obey my teaching. You, you'll follow me. You will make my will your will for your life. Jesus cons was consumed with doing the will of God because he had a relationship, an intimate relationship with his father. Let me ask you a question. How is your relationship with God today? Can you honestly call God your Father because you have come to him through faith in Jesus? You can do that today. This week, we want to invite you again to pray the disciples' prayer. Um, last week, Pastor Cameron handed out some cards, and there are these little cards. And I, ushers, would you go ahead and pass those out down the, down the aisle? And as they come by, just grab one. On it, it says, week two invitation. It says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I invite you this week. Maybe for you, prayer is a difficult thing. I invite you, begin praying even just the disciples' prayer this week. You can use it as a model or you can use it as a form. But set times in your week. Maybe set an alarm on your phone or know of a certain time in which you know you will be free so that when you're there, you can say, that's right, it's time to pray. And you can go to God and you can say, God, help me. Help me to seek your kingdom and your will above all else. God, help me in this area of my life. And you can personalize it and say, in this area of my life, God, help me to understand what the scripture teaches and how I can follow you in that. Be in the word so that you know the word. 
in this area of my life, God, I'm really struggling with this. God, give me grace for this person or for this situation. Go to God. We invite you to pray the disciples' prayer at least twice daily. And the reason twice daily is we, we want to encourage you to build a pattern in your life. Maybe for you, prayer is really difficult. Trust me, I get it. Pr- pr- prayer can be really difficult to remember and to practice. Just go to God and start speaking to God and build those patterns within your life. Focus this week on seeking God's kingdom and his will in your life. We've got a couple of verses on there that if you need somewhere else to go to to start looking at kingdom and will, you can go ahead and use those. But I encourage you to utilize that this week. And as you do that, know that it's not out of rote, it's out of relationship. Whether you are five years old, or you're three years old, or whether you're 83 years old, or you're 103 years old, you can go to God, and you can have a relationship with Him. And relationships are such that they grow. The more you spend time with someone, the more um, intimate, the deeper your relationship is with that person. I delight to do your will. Oh my God, your law is within my heart. As you pray this week, Pray out of delight, not out of duty, to know, to know your Father and to pursue his kingdom and his will in your life. And as you pray, declare his praise, read and speak his word. You can pray the scriptures back to God. When you pray the scripture back to God, you pray according to God's will because it's God's word. And learn and ask God to help you depend upon his grace this week. I want to give you a moment right now. We're going to transition to communion in a couple minutes here. But maybe this is the quietest part your week has been. We've got three kids all under the age of nine in our house, and it gets a little crazy sometimes. And sometimes just having a degree of silence is um, what we need in order to speak with God. I want to give you 30 seconds a minute right now for you to just practice prayer focused around kingdom and will and whatever the Holy Spirit leads in you. Our Father, you are gracious and compassionate. You are slow to anger and you are abounding in love and in faithfulness. And God, For some of us, this may be one of the quietest moments of our week. And yet, God, we know because your word says that you know our needs even before we ask them. And God, many of us have needs. Some have physical needs and some have health needs and some have spiritual needs and and, and some are dealing with brokenness and bitterness and anger and, and fear. God, some are are dealing with um, loss. You know exactly where each one of your children are at this morning. And you meet us there, God. Thank you, God, that we can come to you. that we can bring all of our cares and our burdens and we can cast them upon you, trusting that you care for us because your word has said that you do. And God, help our lives to be about your kingdom here on this earth. There are so many ways, Father, in which my life pursues my own will in my own kingdom.
And yet, God, bring us back again to your word so that we might sanctify the name of Christ. We bless you, Lord God. You are king over all the universe. You are sovereign over all things. You are good. And we bless you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope that what you heard inspires you to take the next step in your faith. If you have questions about this message or would like more information about our church, we invite you to check out fbczealand.org or call us at 616-772-4377.